It's good to be in the Lord's house today, isn't it? Everybody have a great Thanksgiving, I hope. A time to be thankful, a time to rejoice. I'm going to speak today on a topic, if uh, I might want to put it up there. Living a blessed life. Living a blessed life. And I can truly say as I stand before you today that God has been exceptionally good to me. I thought about last, I think it was last week, Pastor Brian was talking about throughout his ministry and throughout his lifetime that he had had some hiccups along the way. I've had some hiccups along the way. And I'm sure you could say the same thing, that everything hadn't been all smooth sailing, but overall, I'm so thankful that God has blessed me. I'm, well, I'm 70 year old and, and uh, been around for a, for a good spell, and I'm, I'm planning on being here a good spell longer. Amen. By the help of the Lord, I will. But uh, God's been so good to me. I can remember back when Patty and I, uh, First, we're, we're married and stuff. I mean, we didn't have much. We didn't have much. We was, we was lucky. We, we'd, eat, uh, we'd eat bologna a lot. And that's all we could afford. I'm not, I'm, there's nothing wrong with bologna. I still like a good bologna sandwich every once in a while with you. But it seems like that's about all we had because we couldn't afford much. But through the years... Uh, we got saved, I think it was 1979, it's been a good, good bit ago, and we started getting active in the church, we started giving. If you want to be blessed in life, be a giver. Really, it's the law of God, isn't it? The Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down and shaken together. So... We begin to be givers, and the first thing you know, we begin to prosper. We begin to grow, growing in the Lord and growing to where God has brought us to today, and I attribute every bit of that to Him. I don't stand up here bragging. I mean, we don't have a whole lot today, but we got a lot compared to some folks. But I attribute every bit of that to the Lord Himself. So we've been living a blessed life. And I think we all can live a blessed life through the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, uh, it's, just, it's just something that God has ordained for us. God has ordained that we be blessed of the Lord. And I, I, I started thinking about this, Pastor Brian, when uh, Brother Morgan was here. He was preaching on, on the uh, Abrahamic Covenant. And the, the seed, the promise, the promise that Abraham gave to you and I today. And, and it's always been an interest to me, the covenant that God made to Abraham. So I got back into Genesis this week, and I started studying a little bit and looking at that covenant again. And, and the first thing, the first time we see God really t saying anything much about uh, Abraham, or Abram at that time, was in the 12th chapter of the book of, of Genesis, right? So there was 11 chapters prior to that 
I didn't really see too much of anything going on. It was, it's, to me, it seemed to be chaos. We had, we had a, a, a civilization before the flood that the Bible says the thoughts and imaginations of their heart was evil continually. So you know the story. They were destroyed by the flood. And then after the flood, it seemed like the same thing was happening again. I mean, long, along comes Nimrod. Everybody's heard of Nimrod, haven't you? Oh, the Bible calls him the mighty hunter. But Nimrod wasn't really a mighty hunter. Nimrod was a mighty rebel. He rebelled against God continuously. And he was instrumental in building kingdoms and cities. And he was really instrumental in building the Tower of Babel which was in total rebellion against God Almighty. And he actually was the great-grandson of Noah. I didn't know that. I had never really referenced that out. But Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. How quickly could you forget that God just destroyed the place with a flood and now you're already in total rebellion against God Almighty. Absolutely amazing. And then along in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, we see where the Bible says, And God had been speaking to Abram about a covenant. He'd already been talking to him about it before the 12th chapter, as it records it in, in the book of Genesis. And it, and, and it seemed to me like that God, of course, you know how God is. He does what He wants, and He can take nothing and make something out of it. To me, Abram was an unlikely candidate to become the father of many nations. If you read Numbers chapter 24 and verse 2, it says that Abraham's father and his brother and Abraham himself served other gods. They served idolatry. They were idolatrous people. They were totally living in a land that was filled with chaos, filled with idolatry. You remember the story about Nineveh, don't you? Nineveh was a wicked, was a very wicked city, and it was, it was prominent in this particular day. And of course, you remember how Jonah goes down and and has a little word with them. So God comes along and makes this covenant with Abraham. And, 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 and it's a covenant that, I mean, I can't say a whole lot about it, but I know this much about it. It was all about blessing. It was all about bringing blessing and prosperity to a people that was filled with idolatry and was rebellious against their God Almighty. So God tells him, he said, you get down out, you get down out among those Chaldeans, and you go over into a land that I'm going to show you. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham by faith, he just went out into a land, and, and, and this is why he's a hero to me. He went out into a land not having any idea where he was going. Can you imagine God telling you, said, now you just pick everything up you got, Pastor Brian, and you just go. 
I'm going to say, well, now, what do I need to take? You know, do I, when am I coming back? How, long, how much preparation do I need to do here? You're not coming back, Abram. You're going to be living in tents out there. You're going to be wandering around with your son Isaac and with Jacob, and I'm going to tell you what to do. <laughs> Just amazing to me. Reading about some of these Bible characters and how much faith they really exemplified even way back then. And it was by faith that he did this. So he makes this covenant with him and, and, and I'll be honest about it, it's a unilateral covenant. Abraham really didn't have much part in it. He just said, he just said go and that's all Abraham had to do, just go. And God said in the book of Hebrews, He said, when God made promise to Abraham, He said, He said, you know, I'm going to give you blessing upon blessing. And your seed's going to be blessed. You're going to be the father, become the father of many nations. And I want you to know today what I want us to see from this, that you and I are still a product of that covenant. Uh, I googled this. If you want to believe Google, you know, I don't know. Abraham, Abraham was like 2,000 years before Christ, a long time back. So if you will, I want you to turn to uh, Psalms chapter 1. And I, I want us to uh, look at this. I feel like here that David, David knew something about the covenant, didn't he? He was a product of the covenant. I mean, he was in line. He was in line even physically, you know, to bring about the seed, which was Jesus Christ. And of course, you and I are, are recipients. We're benefactors of that covenant through Jesus Christ. You know that. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, if you be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You understand that? Another place he said, if you be in faith, then, then you're an heir of, uh, of faithful Abraham. You're to receive the blessings of faithful Abraham. Now that, that, you know, that seems like a pretty wild story you know, that I could be a benefactor of a covenant that was made way back when, when I look all the way back in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning almost, and here I am today still being a benefactor of the covenant that God made with Abraham, but I'm doing that through Jesus Christ. He is the extension of the Abrahamic covenant. I love it. I just love it. And, and the covenant, as I said a while ago, was all about blessing. I mean, you know what he said. You've heard, of, you've heard this quoted in the pulpit so many times. I mean, he blessed you, you know, in, in the city, in the field. I mean, he's going to bless your children. He's going to bless your livestock. I mean, he's going to make everything grow. In one place, he even said, I'm going to command a blessing upon you. 
Man, I couldn't hardly. Can you believe that? I mean, if you if we get where God wants us to be, if we position ourselves to follow after God and get in the will of God, He says, "I'm going to command a blessing upon your life." If that don't if that excites me. I mean, we're talking about God Almighty supernaturally coming in and, and, and Psalms says the very first word in Psalms 1 in verse 1 says blessed. Now, you know, we use that word casually. Our little great-granddaughter, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll be over there and I'll let out a big sneeze and she'll say, bless you. Cutie thing, you know. And we have little signs hanging up on the wall in her home that says bless our home. It's all real pretty stuff. And it really, it really means the word, if you look it up, it means happy, joyful, content. But that's not really what David was talking about here. David was talking about being prosperous. Really the word blessed here means to be empowered to prosper. Glory. Think about that. Being empowered to prosper. The, the divine intervention of God Almighty coming right down in your situation and empowering you to prosper. Man, that's... That almost make me shout. That almost make anybody shout. And that's exactly what David's saying here. Blessed. Blessed. Is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Hallelujah! Aren't you glad that God has made a way that you and I can prosper? Now this is not necessarily talking about money. It's talking about almost everything. I mean, I mean, back in the covenant when you read it in the 28th chapter of Deuter Deuteronomy, the Bible says that anything you set your hand to do, you can do it. Amen. I believe today that anything we set our hands to do, if we'll do it in the will of God, God will bless it. Think about it, church. That's exactly what he's saying here. But there's a little caveat to that. If you notice, some, you know, David made this very plain. God has principles, church. We need to know this. God has some principles. He has some laws. It's not the law of Moses. The law of Moses was given 430 years after this covenant that we're talking about. And it didn't have anything to do with it. This is talking about the laws of God established in heaven. Established laws. The covenant of Abraham is an established principle. The Bible said when, 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 when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee, and he confirmed it by an oath. That oath was his word. 
and it will never change. And it talked about the unchangeable counsel or the, or the in, I can't even pronounce the word in the King James, but it meant unchangeable. It's forever settled in heaven. It's a law of God. I mean, it's just like, well, there's several laws like that. It's just like the law, uh, 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 the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? It's just like, it's just like the law of lift and gravity. One law supersedes the other. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So sin and death no longer hath no dominion over me. And the law of sin and death is not the law of Moses. It's the law that came into existence when the fall took place back in the beginning. That's the law of sin and death that had us bound up tight. But Jesus brought us out. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death because one supersedes the other. Hallelujah. So here, uh, David mentions a few things. You know, we, we, we can't just, we got, to, we got to stay, we got to align ourselves with the principles of God. You know, I'm not a I'm not a gloom and doom teacher, you know that. <laughs> but you know if you're if 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 you that one that one there talks about being a being a uh, scornful person, you know what that is? Finger pointer. Always been critical of everything that everybody does. I've seen people like that. Nothing ever satisfies them. Everything is never going right. Nothing ever going right. Always finger pointing. See, if you set yourself up in a position like that, and I'm being serious, I believe this, you disqualify you from the things of God, from the blessings of God. Now, it's not because God don't want you to be blessed. It's because you shut Him out. You can shut God out by things you do in this life. We have to align ourselves with the principles of God that is written in heaven. God has principles. He's not an outlaw. I mean, I mean, it's like this. The Bible, Paul said it like this. Whatsoever a man soweth, this is a law. Whatsoever a man soweth, that's what he's going to reap. It don't matter who you are. That law has been set into existence, Pastor Brian, in the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to happen that way. So we have to align ourselves with the principles of God, what has been ordained by God, because God's not going to change. I mean, His Word is forever settled in heaven, and it's not going to change. So we have to, and that's what David was saying here. In these verses that you might think, well, you know, you know, if you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, if you're just hanging out with the ungodly all the time, you, you've disqualified yourself from the promises of God in this regard. 
But he said, if you'll if you, if you stay away from those things and delight yourself in the law of the Lord, man, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water, and whatever you do shall prosper. Now I want to spend just a couple minutes right here, and, and I want us to see the importance of the word. I found a, I found a little thing here digging around in some of my stuff. <laughs> Does anybody have any stuff? <laughs> oh God, I got papers, and I've got books. There's there's stuff here and stuff there. Anyway, I got some thoughts concerning the Bible. I thought I'd want to read this. Might be of interest to you. <clears throat> and and most of these quotes were by presidents of the United States. Now, I'm not being political, because, but I don't even know what these people were. George Washington, for example, said, "It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible." Man, don't you wish we had leaders like this today? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great today if we had, if we had leaders would stand up and say, it's impossible to govern the United States of America without God and the Bible. Woo! <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't stay mad about half the time, Brian, if I heard, you know, if I heard him say things like that. All time talking about, oh Lord, I can't get started on this. I was, on, I was watching something on the news the other day, and there was, a, there was this lady who got pulled over in Texas. She got, she got stopped for speeding. I mean, liberally, deliberately speeding. And uh, she jumped out, and she was laying on that cop. Oh, I'm binary. I, I'm binary, I, I thought. She was using her binary position that she was claiming as an excuse not to be arrested by the police. I thought, you know, it's no wonder, it's no wonder I stay mad about half the time. <laughs> you know what the Bible said? The Bible said in the beginning, God made male and female. He didn't make no intermediaries. He didn't, there was nobody in, in, in the middle in this. But anyway, I've got to go on. Anyway, that's what, that's what George Washington said. <laughs> oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a little laugh. I love to laugh. We was on a little Zoom call the other night. And uh, Mr. Funny here. He said something, and I was about to die laughing, and I guess everybody was hearing me. But you know, I, you know the Bible says, a merry heart doth good like a medicine. It's good to laugh. It's just good to laugh. Anyway, Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. 
Horace Greeley, which was a famous publisher, about all I know about him. He said, it is impossible to mentally or socially enslave a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. One more. The whole of the... the whole of the inspiration of our civilization springs from the teaching of Christ and the lessons of the prophets. To read the Bible for these fundamentals is a necessity of American life. I found those and I just was reading those and I thought, how interesting. How interesting that some of our forefathers placed such emphasis on the Bible and the Word of God and how important it is. And here David said, he said, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. And, and, and it is law, he says, he meditates day and night. I can't emphasize how important it is for you and I to receive the Word of God with meekness which is able to save our souls. You and I can't live without having the Bible, having the Word of God implanted in our spirit. And I love what the one said. He said, you can't enslave a man socially or mentally if you'll stay in the Word of God. Renew your mind, my friend, in the Word of God. And I... Nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus knew better than any. He knew we couldn't live by bread alone. But we need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is quick and powerful or it's living and active, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's designed to transform us from the inside out. That's what the Word does to us. I can't explain how that happens. I wish I knew. (laughs) I can't explain faith to you either. Right, isn't it? I can't explain how faith works. I can't explain how how God's Word gets down in your heart and it begins to transform you from the inside out. It just makes a change. It just brings a change to our life. The, the old desires that we used to have, we don't have them anymore. That's the Word of God that does that. It's the Word of God that cleanses us by the washing of water by the Word. That's what it does. We've got to have the Word in our life. We've got to attend to the Word. And that's exactly what David said here. He said, if you'll delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Now listen to this. I'm going to read it again. He said, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll go bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do is going to prosper. Now I, I can't think of a better promise than that. I'm looking ready. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for more, Pastor Brian. 
I mean, I've been blessed beyond measure, but I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm looking for more from God. I'm looking to grow more in God. I'm looking to prosper in Him. Expect it, church. Expect it. I mean, align yourself up with the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Align yourself up with the principles of our Heavenly Father and watch Him perform a miracle in your life. I mean, I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm persuaded that what God has promised, He's able to perform. Not empty words. When God said it, it'll happen. We just have to... We just have to prepare ourselves. Pastor Brian, to quote something you said some time back, you said you got to position yourselves. Say, I listen. I hear what people say. <laughs> okay, let's go to another place. Let's go over into the book of uh, Luke. I know I'm going to be taking long here, but this is a good one here in Luke. I want you to see this one. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And I'm going to read about five or six verses here, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, now he was teaching. Is there, is there, oh, they've got it up there. Oh, how wonderful. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. It was a custom that he did this. If you'll read in the New Testament, excuse me, you'll find that Jesus often went into these little synagogues and, and they were just little meeting places, you know, in different areas where he traveled and he'd go into these synagogues and he, he would just teach. He would preach. So behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now, you think about that. Been, been like that for 18 years. And she was bent over in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in an awful position. And she couldn't get up. But Jesus saw her and he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed <laughs> from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, What kind of a planet was these people living on? I don't want to know. <laughs> this ruler of this synagogue, he gets all tore up because Jesus just healed a woman and had been sick for 18 years. And, 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 and the scripture uses the word indignation. He didn't just get mad. He took a fit. <laughs> he said, you've got six days. This is what he said. He said, there's six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Now, doesn't that sound like a bunch of tradition? The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, notice that, 
She's a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, my point here is, she's not the biological daughter of Abraham, you know. She's Abraham's daughter by inheritance. So she's entitled. Hallelujah. She's entitled. I mean, she was entitled to be healed of this infirmity long before Jesus ever came along. Pastor Brian, there just was nobody to come along to administer that to her. This promise was given to her under the Abrahamic covenant 1900 years prior to this. Jesus comes along and lays hands on her and heals her, bless God. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this terrible infirmity? You know, Jesus actually, from my perspective, he was, he was preaching and ministering under, as, as, as a minister under the covenant, wasn't he? He was administering what to this woman what she was already entitled to. So if she was entitled to that, you and I are entitled to the same. Come on. We're entitled to the same because we are daughters and sons of Abraham. I can't see it any other way. I can't make it any clearer. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that we are the sons and daughters of Abraham and we are entitled to the same blessing, the same prosperity that this poor little woman was entitled to? Man, I tell you what, this is so rich. So rich. Well, let me make another point here. Who made her sick? Who made her sick anyway? Satan had her bound. Don't be coming around telling me that God made somebody sick. Don't even think that, church. Don't even never think that God had anything to do with you getting sick. God, does, God is not in that kind of business. That would be just like saying that God is going to pour His wrath out upon the church during the tribulation to just see whether or not I could stand it or not. God loves me too much for that. He loves me too much for that. And besides that, you can't have light and darkness in the same room. You can't have love and hate in the same body, in the same place. It would almost be an insult to God. It would be. Pastor, it would be insult for me to say, the devil made, I mean, God made you sick. That'd be an insult, Renee. It would, it'd insult God. Oh, Lord, not our Heavenly Father. Not our loving Heavenly Father. Would He ever do a thing like that? How in the world could He love me so much that He gave His Son to die for me that I might have everlasting life and then at the same time turn around and inflict me with some sickness? Come on, get real. <laughs> It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. So anyway, I, I just wanted to say that because there's so many people that gets in these ruts. God caused that to happen to me. 
God caused so and so to happen to me. God's not in that line of business, church. Don't ever think that God's in that line of business. Oh, my God. Don't even think that. If you just had a revelation today of how much God loves us, you would never even think along those lines. Lord, have mercy. He loves us so much. I don't think I gave it to you all, but I'm going to look at the scripture in, uh, I think it's Matthew chapter 9. I just want to confirm, or yeah, Matthew 9. Let me read it to you right quick. Well, I can't find it. I can't find it, but anyway. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> oh, here's what it was. It was the it was the uh it was the lady that had the issue of blood. And you know the story. Verse uh verse twenty says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Jesus turned around and when he saw her said, be of good cheer, daughter. <laughs> you catch it? Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Wasn't Jesus' daughter? Was it? Abraham's daughter. Same thing he's referring to right there. Abraham's daughter. Entitled to being whole. I mean, here's a woman that had been putting up with this issue of blood for 12 long years. Am I, is that right? Was it 12 years? She'd spent everything she had on physicians, but she never could get better. Well, in that day, I don't suppose they had the technology to handle that kind of thing. But one day she heard about Jesus. And here's the part I like. She pressed through the crowd. You know what? Sometimes, church, I feel like you and I have about... We've quit, we've quit fighting. We've quit fighting. We've quit pressing. She said, if I can only touch the hem of His garment, she said, I know I'll be made whole. And she pressed her way. Crowds of people all around Jesus and her back here in the crowd somewhere and she begins to work her way through the crowd. I mean, she was desperate. And she was, I mean, she had a little tenacity about her. She was a pushing her way through. She was going to make her way if I can just reach under there and barely touch the hem of His garment. I'll be made whole, thank God. I mean, I mean, she had a little bit of fight in her, didn't she? It brings me to a scripture that, that I have written down in the, book of, in the book of James. I'll just jump on over to it. it, it it's the scripture that talks about 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effective. I thought about this. If you can have an effective prayer, I suppose you can have an ineffective one. You know what, in in my my way of thinking, an ineffective prayer is just a little half-hearted prayer. Half-hearted, not really putting any effort into it, just a little lay me down to sleep kind of thing. James said it's not effective. There's no fervency in that. Fervency is a word that, 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 that speaks of a little bit of uh, passion. We've lost our passion about things, church. We've lost our passion about things. We've lost our enthusiasm about things. I mean, we have to fight every once in a while. Anywhere in the Bible you read now, getting saved is easy. Thank God for it. I mean, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead, the Bible said you shall be saved. That's another one of those laws. For with the, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You just confess your way right into salvation. You don't have to... I remember, my mind just going everywhere. I remember when I was in church in, 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 in Kentucky, there was an old man about 80-some year old. Pastor Brian, he'd been taught all his life that you had to speak in tongues to be saved. Poor guy, felt so sorry for him. Every service he'd be laying in this altar. And he'd be a-praying and a-praying and a-praying. You know what he's praying for? To be saved. You can, and then we try to teach him. He, he wouldn't have it. He was so, you know, all his life he'd been taught that you had to have, be, have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to be saved. And, the, and I just quoted you the scripture. That's it. There's, Michael, I mean, that's it. It's just that simple. I mean, it's just that simple. It, you know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Shall be saved. That's it. Nothing magic about it. it that's, just, that's just the way God set it up. For with the heart you believe unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Same thing about healing. If you believe in your heart that God has healed you, you confess it with your mouth and you shall be healed. Boy, I'm getting deep now, ain't I? It's, a, it's just the way it is. It's just the principles of God. You've got to understand, God has principles. And he, and he works within the boundaries of what He has established in His Word. And He isn't going to change that for me or you or anybody else. I'm sorry, he does not. I mean, if you're living outside of the principles of God, you're not going to get by with it. You, I mean, you, I'm not saying you'll be lost, but you're not going to, you're not going to be what God wants you, where God wants you to be. So anyway, I was, I was talking about this word fervency, and I thought about, <laughs> I thought about a word called doldrum. You know what doldrums is? 
No enthusiasm whatsoever. Sometimes I think we get in the doldrums. And there's a place really called the doldrums. It's, it's down near the equator in the ocean. Listen to me now. It's about five degrees north or south of the, uh, of the equator. Totally calm. Not one speck of wind in that area. And back in the 1800s, before they, came, before they got motorized ships, whether it had been cargo ships, commercial ships, or, or travel, you know, people traveling on, on, on ships, they, 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 they used sails. They didn't have no motorization. They didn't have any way to, to move it other than sails. And if they would drift over into the doldrums accidentally, the sails would go flat. No wind in their sails. None. And sometimes, you can read this if you want, and sometimes, Pastor, they would sit there for weeks. They couldn't move. They couldn't get out of the doldrums. They would sit there so long that they would die from thirst and starvation because they'd run out of water and food. Sit right there in, that, in the doldrums and die. We don't want to stay in the doldrums, church. We've got to be like those old guys laying at the, at the gate. Why sit we here and die? And I'm not saying we're doing that. But you know, we can get in those kind of positions. In our own lives, we can get in the doldrums. We can get in, 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 in depression and just, you know, we don't have no enthusiasm. We, don't, we're, we become apathetic. No passion for anything. I was, thinking, I was thinking this morning about the church. You know, there's nothing like having a church family. I mean, I just feel like, you know, we're all just good friends and, and just, you know, there's nothing like a church family. You know, if you, if you have problems, I mean, if I have something I need, I just call Chris back there. He'll come and help me. I thought about David Dion. Where's he at? Right there sits a man told me last week, and I, I, I was going to mention this, and I know he don't care for me telling it. He said, I'm the only convict that's ever got a job working for the highway to, or for the state. Convicted com, convict got a job working for the state of West Virginia. Now, he told me that, and I know he don't care for me telling that, because he told it, giving God the glory, because he's living a blessed life. Give the Lord praise for that. Never anybody working for the State Department, got a job as a convicted convict. <laughs> Man, I, I, that's awesome, isn't it? That is so awesome. He was given, he was given the, the, the glory to God right out there on the back porch. But anyway, I was talking about the church. I mean, it, to me, it's just a joy to come up here on Sunday morning and, and stand out there and just greet people and just, you know... It, it's just, it's just great, church. I don't know why people don't get involved more in church and be happy. We can be happy in church. I mean, it just provides a safe place. A place that you need help. If I get in trouble, I can call Pastor Brian or I can call Chris Parsons. Say, come over here and help me get down out of this tree. I'm hung up here. 
stand back there laughing. He knows I'm telling the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one more place. I'm about done. It's found in uh, 1 John. I bet they'll put it up there. First John chapter five. Okay. Chapter five, verse fourteen. Now I want you to pay real close attention to this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I can't get much plainer than that either. This is the confidence that if we have in Him, we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, church, please don't pray, Lord, if it be Your will. I've heard so many people pray that way. Lord, if it be your will, you can do this or do that. You don't need to pray that way. You need to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, the thing about it is, if you know what his will is, you don't need to pray if it be your will, right? And here he says, we know... If you pray according to His will, He hears us. Well, we know His will. I know His will today. I know that He has given us a blessed life and He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So if I've got an issue concerning anything in my life, He hears me when I pray. I have that confidence. See, that's the confidence that we've got to have built within us that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Then if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Man. we got to have some confidence in our God today, boys. We've got to have some confidence in our Heavenly Father today. We've got to know that He loves us today. We've got to know that He wants us to prosper. And just believe that. Come ahead, Amy. I'm, I'm, I'm about to run out of steam up here, but I'm going to read one more while they're coming. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. No, it ain't 11. It's 4, I think. No, it's 10. <laughs> I'll get it right in a minute. Verse 35, listen to this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Your confidence has great reward, church. We just have to be persistent, don't we? 
We just have to get close and be persistent. I thought about another verse of Scripture in the book of James where he said, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I wondered about that. You know, Jesus said the same thing in the book of in the book of Revelation. He said, I stand at the door and knock. Here's the key. He said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with you or I'll dine with you and you dine with me. If you don't open the door, Jesus is still standing out here knocking. Am I right? I mean, if you don't open up to God, I mean, if you don't draw nigh to God, there's a good chance, you know, God's going to be standing there waiting on you. tell this on myself, I, I, you probably get tired of hearing my crazy stories. <laughs> we were at the mall walking, it's been some time back, and you know, they're always playing music on that crazy intercom, Renee. I most times don't even hear this stuff, I don't even hear, never heard in my life. <laughs> One day they come up this big song, it, it was a 70's song that, you know, probably only me or a few more in here ever know anything about the 70's, but the song is called Get Close. And it goes something like this. It says, Darling, if you want me to be closer to you, get closer to me. Anybody ever heard that song? Well, oh, here's some hands. I, and, and immediately I thought, now it's crazy how God can speak to you through a song like that. Immediately God spoke to me about that. He said, maybe that's just where you need to be, son. Maybe you need to get closer to me, then I'll get closer to you. You draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. we got to get closer. we got to draw near to God, and He'll draw nigh to us. I mean, we all need, we all need to have more... We need to have an, uh, an encounter with God. So as they get ready to sing this morning, how many believes in here today that God wants us to be blessed? I hope I've established that fact. I, I mean, I hope that you can understand that was my intent today was to try to help us to understand that God wants us to prosper, that the very word blessed in Psalms chapter 1 is being empowered to prosper. He empowers us to prosper. And that we need to position ourselves, align ourselves up with the very principles of God. I mean... In such a way that God's just going to bless us. We'll just, I, I, want, I, want us, I want to see the effects of God blessing us. I want to hear people coming in like, like David and say, You know, God just help me through this. Or God just bless me through that. I love him today. Yeah. I do. I'm not just Joshua. 
I love Jesus today. Do you love Him today? As they sing, if Pastor Brown don't mind, I'm going to give an invitation. If you don't know Jesus today, I don't know. Good day to get him. Lord, it's a good day to get him. And it's so simple. Just pour your heart out. And, like I said, confess to, confess to him and, and it's a done deal. And I also thought about this. I'd like to, and, and I know Brian's in, 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 in alignment with me on this. We had, we, had a, we had some motivation going here during the revival. During the revival, didn't we? So, as they sing, if, 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 if you would like, I'd like for us to come up here around the front again. And just pray and worship. And let me, let me say this. If you haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's, no other, there, there's not a better way on earth to get it. I remember when I was seeking it. This has been so many years ago. I can't even remember. But I would pray and I would pray and I would pray. And I, I just couldn't make it happen. That's the reason I couldn't get it. I was trying to make it happen. And, and, and one night we was in a little church and, and we was just all standing around. We was just worshiping and praising God. And, and you know, everything was just flowing and, and, and everybody was, you know. And all of a sudden I just noticed I started speaking in another tongue. Oh, glory. I mean, it just happened. I just let go and let God. See, you, you can't make it happen. It don't happen that way. But it, it, it happens in, in, in times, in my, well, I've seen a lot of it. Amen. I'm kind of like that old, that old guy that sells, that sells that farmer's insurance. I know a lot because I've seen a lot. Not really. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> but times of worship like that, you just, you just get a move of God. So as they begin to sing, if you'd like, and I'm going I'm to get right down here and I'm going to worship too. I, when we have, we was having a revival, I just felt a, I just felt a, a change. I just felt a new movement across here and, 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 and all through the house that the people were just getting more free. I mean, people were just turning loose and 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 and, and Pastor Morgan was just letting everybody, which is very appropriate, anybody that wanted to pray in tongues out loud, just praying in tongues, you know. And that's not really appropriate for somebody to get up here and do that. But in worship, that's appropriate. And, and people were just praying in tongues all over the, all over the place. And, and, and it was just a joyous thing. Yes, amen. And I think we need to keep that momentum going. That's my wish anyway. That we just keep that going. So as they sing, let's go. Let's go.